All right. Hello, everybody. Tara Henry here back with the D1 Softball podcast sponsored by our partners over at S2 Cognition. So excited for our guest today. None other than the Jen Salling. Jen, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me on. I'm looking forward to talking shop with you, Tara. So in doing some research, uh, I hope that you all know what a complete rock star uh, this woman is. Uh, Jen Salling, national champion, uh, Olympic, two-time Olympian and Olympic medalist. And back in the day, and I remember this, when she was at Oregon, uh, mm -hmm. hit 481 for the Ducks in her freshman season and was up for player of the year finalist. There's so much we can go over, but I kind of want to start there because that was from, you know, the division one perspective, the start of your softball journey. And I don't know if a lot of people know that you started mm -hmm. at Oregon and transferred to Washington. So 2007, take me back to that first freshman season with the Ducks. Yeah. I mean, I think there's certainly power in not knowing too much information about anything and just playing the game. I'll tell you that. But, uh, yeah, it's um, Oregon was my only visit, and right out of high school, I that's where I went, and I really didn't want to go anywhere else at that point in my life. And I spent two years of my career there, and then I, um, after the 2008 Olympics, I carried on to Washington. But that coming down to the United States of America, being Canadian citizen from a small town, um, it's been absolutely game changing for my entire life. Um, that first year was a complete whirlwind, um, just kind of learning the ropes, understanding the, the system at Oregon, and just learning and figuring out what it what it's like to be a student athlete. Um, I will say, I think not really knowing a ton um, really kind of helped my game because I, I was just playing and being free. Um, but uh, yeah, um, that first year was definitely very pivotal in um, the rest of my journey, just taking on the sport of softball in America. And so obviously at Oregon and then play in the Olympics. And that's when back in the day, a lot of players took off at season to play and train for the Olympics. So 2008, uh, head to Beijing and play with Team Canada. What was that experience like for you being the rookie on the team per se? What was that like to be in that first Olympics playing for Canada? Yeah, um, I was only 20 years old. It's really, really crazy to think about that. Um, 20 years old, playing shortstop, batting in the middle of the lineup, um, just doing whatever I possibly could to help our team win. But I think the biggest thing when I look back on that experience was I was learning the ropes and I was, you know, trying to be a sponge. I was trying to be as open as possible to just learn from all the veterans that have been there before, whether they were in the 2000 Olympics or the 2004 Olympics. Um, but just being so young, um, you're really just kind of figuring out your path. But the biggest thing was learning from the people that came before me. So I love that. And those of you that are watching over on Facebook or Twitter, head on over to YouTube so we can see your comments. So if anybody has any questions for Jen, uh, head on over there. So. That's 2008 Olympics. Uh, and then there's a huge period in your career uh, when softball obviously wasn't in the Olympics. Mm -hmm. It was a tough time for our sport. Uh, I kind of want to go through that from, from those 
it's almost nine, 12 years between uh, being in Beijing uh, and heading out to Tokyo. Um, what were those training years like? And I know we talked a little bit before that, probably one of my favorite parts of watching Team Canada's growth, but uh, the, the the feeling of, of placing fourth in uh, at the Olympics and then coming back and playing uh, at Washington uh, and then winning a national championship um, so you go from that low to that high. What was that like? And then we'll go through kind of uh, the steps throughout and then get get us to 2020 here. Yeah. Um, after 2008, um, I decided to um, leave Oregon and transfer to the University of Washington, as you said. And within at that point in time, um, it was called the Pac-10. And with <laughs> Within the conference, um, if you transferred in conference and you did not get a release from your previous institution, um, you actually had to go to a junior college and earn an AA degree to then transfer into the next institution. So after the 2008 Olympics were over, I, um, I actually moved to Seattle. I enrolled in North Seattle Community College and um, was just busting my tail to earn, I think it was actually 26 credits. So it was fall quarter and winter quarter um, to then, you know, transfer into Washington as soon as I possibly could, um, which then brought me to April 1st um, of 2009. And uh, my first series at UW was versus Arizona State. And I think I was like, oh, for 12. Um, oh my goodness. I remember like running down the first baseline and like could barely like lift up my legs. Like I just, I didn't work out like a softball player. My mission was like, okay, get into Washington, get into Washington, get into Washington. So it was very academic driven for that six months. And then there was a gym at the apartment that I um, resided in. And I would just kind of go down, just do some like free weights, kind of do some long distance running, which is obviously is terrible for the sport of softball um, to a certain extent. Um, and yeah, I just wasn't working out like a softball player. So when I got into Washington, I was like, whoa, like I'm not really in softball shape, but I'm going to do what I can um, for the team, for the time that I'm with them for the remainder of the season. And yeah, we ended up winning a national championship, which was crazy. Uh, and by your definition of not being in shape, I mean, I think um, maybe that was just like your definition. I'm sure uh, it's very different for everybody across the road, but still, um, such a stud at shortstop and and throughout your career at Washington. So uh, play you, the, rent, or the rest of your career uh, at UW. What did you learn from Coach Heather Tarr while you were there uh, and your time being a Husky? And you had some incredible teammates, obviously, while you were there, too, um, up in Seattle. I did. And I will say that 2019 um, definitely welcomed me with open arms. So the transition to join the team was um, – it truly felt seamless. And um, I definitely thank them big time for that. But as far as what I learned from Coach Tar, I mean, I've learned so much from her. Um, she's one of my biggest mentors. And um, I think one of the biggest things that I learned was um, what it means to be a part of a championship culture and what it means to lead and how to lead and how to empower the people around you. Um, just that DNA um, was really, really helpful to me because we were we were held to a standard every single day at practice and how to be a good teammate, 
um, how to grow, how to build a program, how to communicate with each other, how to hold each other accountable. So the things that are really, really important in life, um, she put me on that path, obviously after my parents, but, and then in addition to just kind of the overall leadership piece was the, the skills of the sport of softball, um, development at Washington was, was, and still is something that the program takes tremendous amount of pride in. And that is something that I think I've carried on. Um, I carried on as a player and I, now to this day, I carry on as a coach in, um, my ability to coach people up and help them buy into a process and understand why they're being asked to do what they're doing. And I, I took that from her, both her and JT. So. And uh, Washington known for um, some incredible defense uh, up there uh, mm -hmm. in Seattle. And you are part of that long lineage of incredible uh, defenders that we've seen out of there. And so I want to get through that. So you, graduate from Washington, you're done at UW, and we don't know if Sopo's going to be in the Olympics. You go, you get drafted, uh, third draft pick for the MPF, play for U-Triple-S-A, uh, play for the Rebellion. Uh, mm -hmm. what, 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 why did you want to keep playing, and, and what were those years like? Because I it was a tough stretch of time, I think, for the whole softball world. And for you, you are one of those people that was able to stick with it and really help uh, bridge that gap for our sport. And I think are one of the reasons why you are one of those people that are the reason why we are back in the Olympics. Um, what was that time like for you? Yeah, it was. Um, I'll say this. I, I never was ready in my heart to leave, leave the game. Um, and no matter how it looked, um, I wasn't ready to step away, even if it was just, you know, a Pan Am games. And, um, and when I say just, I'm not undermining that event whatsoever, but, um, you know, it, it's the Olympics is, is the top of the top. And for a long time, there it was Pan Am games and world championships, Pan Am games and world championships. So I, never felt like I was ready to step away, even with that 13 year gap. Um, something that when I look back, that was really like eye-opening for me was that I'll never forget that when I was traded in 2013, moving on to the Pennsylvania Rebellion in 2014, after that 14 season, I remember thinking to myself, Jen, why, why are you still playing the sport of softball? Like I was having a tough time. Like kind of digging into my why. And um, in 2015, the Pan Am Games were being held in Toronto. Um, it's obviously in Canada. So I remember I was living in Chicago, fly, flew back to Chicago. I remember being in my loft apartment in Chicago and I called our head coach, uh, Mark Smith, and I called him and I said, hey, hey, Coach Smith, I just you know, I'm interested in coming back to the team to try out because I took a leave of absence for a few years there just to slowly play in the pro league. And um, I said, I'm interested in trying out again. Like, is it possible for me to come back and try to earn a spot? He's like, yeah, come back and try to earn a spot just like everybody else. So went to selection camp, made the team. And in 2015, my, my fire was lit again. Um, I, I think playing for our national team does that. Uh, for any national team, I think it just, you're, 
playing for something just so much bigger than you. And I think at that point in my life, uh, that's what I needed. And we were at home in Toronto. So from then on, rest was history. That's so, so cool. And I think from like we talk, spoke about from an outsider's perspective, watching Team Canada and this incredible, it, it almost looked like a transformation uh, from an outsider's mm -hmm. perspective um, and leading up to Tokyo to 2020 and watching the program, how you all trained, uh, your dedication to it. What, what were those uh, months, years like heading heading up to Tokyo 2020? Because obviously Kaylee Rafter was with you, Danielle Laurie, uh, Victoria Hayward, uh, some veterans were a part of that that core group uh, of the squad. Uh, what was that like? Because it was really cool from an outsider's perspective to see uh, that type of focus uh, from that program. Thank you. Um, yeah, so in 2015, after Pan Am Games, I enrolled in graduate school at UW. Um, so from 15 to 17, I was a GA at Washington. Um, 2016, um, I'll never forget, I was home in the fall visiting my family and saw a notification on Twitter and the Olympics were reinstated. So I was kind of in a little bit of a crossroad, not a crossroad, but I was like, this dilemma of, okay, do I start my college coaching career or do I, you know, give this Olympics another go? So after 2017, um, I made the decision to give another Olympics a go. And from 2017 on, um, I literally was training full time. And what type of support uh, were you all getting from uh, Softball Canada? Because from from an outsider's perspective, like you said, um, the the de dedication, the ability to train uh, for you all to be together, for those that weren't playing uh, in college, it was really cool to see uh, that dedication. What type of support uh, were we able to get from Softball Canada? Yeah, I mean, most importantly, it started with our head coach, Mark Smith. Like he, he really pushed for us. Um, and he knew that he needed to push so we could get all the resources in place to eventually, you know, be able to be in the same spot, especially leading up closer to the Olympics. Um, so the credit for sure goes to him. Absolutely. He's super competitive. He's gritty and he's, he wants to win. So I think having him at the helm for us was really helpful to get all that funding, but um, we're in, we are individually funded as athletes or well, as a former athlete, but they still are. It's called Athlete Assistance Program. So they get, um, they get annual funding throughout the year. And that, that strictly goes towards training resources. Um, and then, of course, I mean, on top of that, um, Coach Smith doing his thing, um, just getting all the funding for us to be able to be in one place training together um, all at once. Um, we were, I would say we were pretty decentralized for like the first couple years of the Olympic cycle. Then um, getting into 2019, 2020, we started um, getting together as a collective more on a consistent basis. So for a month of time, two months, three months at a time. So. So you all are getting together, training more as a group, uh, as a collective unit, and then COVID hits and not quite sure uh, if the Olympics are even going to happen uh, in 2020. Uh, 
Can you go through kind of your emotions there and and what that was like and and all those years training and and getting back into it and finally softball's back in the Olympics and then oh wait wait a second we might actually not have an Olympics. Uh, what was your gut reaction to that? It was scary. It, it felt it was scary. It was like just a lot of emotion. Scary, sad, like just totally so much unknown. Um, and of course, I think it's very human nature to think about all the work that had been put in from like 2017 on. And when I say 2017 on, we were, our SNC program, strength and conditioning program was very, very, um, very, very high level, extremely, um, very strong system of accountability. Um, we had to log things like every single day of every week, 17, all the way up until the Olympics. That was like five to six days a week of like logging and just tracking every single thing that we were doing. Um, but yeah, when, when we learned about that, I think the biggest thing we knew we needed to do was lean in as a team and um, lean into each other and just keep plugging along. Um, we all kind of agreed and came to the realization that there's, this is literally out of our control. And the only thing that we can continue to control is how we're preparing. So we made it our mission to continue to prepare um, as if the Olympics were 100% in. And when I say that, I mean, we were like in garages doing towel ISO holds. We were doing the most, just the most interesting things you could ever think of, but we were, we were on a mission. We would send photos and videos and, you know, we had a Slack channel. We had, you know, we had a visual Olympics for a while that lasted a couple months. Um, it was, you just had to be creative. Do you think that all of those little things that you all did leading up to that are partly the reason that you were able to medal uh, at the mm -hmm. Olympics? Yes, no question. Um, we felt that, um, with how we worked and how we prepared and how connected we were as a team, that was 1000% a competitive edge for Team Canada softball. I got chills. Uh, mm -hmm. And you could see it too. And I think uh, that journey and all that hard work uh, and the collective unit, you could you could see in y'all's play and uh, so what were your emotions in Tokyo when you were there? Obviously a very different experience in 2008, uh, full athlete village in 2008, uh, mm -hmm. very different uh, in Beijing than in Tokyo, which uh, was quite strict obviously with COVID protocols. Um, but what were your emotions during that time? And, and, and what is your favorite memory about uh, obviously playing uh, in Tokyo and obviously winning a medal, but uh, what were some of your favorite memories from there? I think the, the, the biggest thing I think was just like gratitude. Like we're, we're here. Like, thankfully we get to play. Thankfully we get to show off our hard work. Something that we've been working for, for four or five years. I mean, people left their jobs, financial sacrifices to get to the Olympic games in Tokyo. So after all the COVID stuff, I think just grateful that it happened. Number one. Um, and number two, 
you know, it was a little different not having fans, you know, so, uh, you know, remember walking onto the field and just kind of looking up and be like, dang, like this stadium is steep. It's high. There's seats everywhere. Like how awesome would it be to have people in the stands, you know, but then you got to dial it back and be like, on to the next, like you can't, you can't worry about the stuff you can't control. Right. So, um, but one of my most favorite memories, honestly, is like when you walk down the road that has all the flags in Olympic Village, it is the most coolest experience you could ever imagine in your entire life. Like there's so many countries that are the best at their craft in one place. So the village is has been like one of my most favorite experiences. There's just so much culture. Um and just there's so many like-minded folks coming from so many different countries. Um, and it's just really, really cool. The view from our dorm was absolutely unreal. Um, or sorry, our tower, like overlooked the water, taking photos by the Olympic rings. Um, those are just memories that like last forever, um, whether it's by yourself or with your teammates. Um, and then obviously, Something that does stick out, I'm not going to lie, it's not the most positive, but the Japan loss was probably the most, one of the toughest losses of my entire softball career. Um, had to figure out how to recover from that one fast, but we were playing Italy the next day. Um, and then honestly meddling, um, making history for our country. Um, just, we worked so hard, not only for that cycle, um, but in 2004, we, you know, we took fourth loss to Australia um, so just being able to do what we did for the sport of softball in Canada was like by far the coolest thing. So you win an Olympic medal and mm -hmm. 29 years later is when you decide to retire. Did you know you were going to retire, uh, af at the end of the Olympics or were you at peace in knowing that your job was done and, and winning a medal for Canada or had you already decided that this was going to be it? Yeah, I, it, I knew it was, I knew I was ready. Um, I think like in the middle of the cycle, you just kind of like, uh, you never know, you know, and then kind of as the cycle continued on, I'm like, Jen, it's, this is your last go. Like you're, you're 33 years old. Um, you get to experience two Olympics. And um, it was just, honestly, I could not be more grateful for the timing of everything in my life. Like, it just, it worked out pretty perfectly. And I felt like it was, the fact that we meddled, um, it just made it that much sweeter. And so medal, retire, and now you're going back into your coaching career and you're currently at UCF as an assistant coach uh, under Cindy Ball Malone there with the Knights who um, always uh, a great squad to watch, gritty, um, fun mm -hmm. squad to watch um, in my uh, opinion. Uh, but I want to talk a little bit about that coaching transition and transitioning from being a player, uh, obviously spending those years as a player and then becoming a coach. What do you think was the easiest transition for you and probably the most difficult uh, transition in be from becoming a player to coach? 
It's mm, a very good question. I think I would say a an I don't know if I would say easy, but um, the fact that I I feel like I can really relate to what they experience. Um, when they experience failure, when they experience self-doubt, when they experience um, the desire to be perfect, um, when that just all the things that they our athletes experience in their day to day, I feel like I can like authentically help them through their process because I've walked in their shoes, whether it's been a student athlete or, um, playing the sport at the highest level of softball. Um, so I feel very like relatable in a sense, although I'm a lot older than them, I feel like I've, I've been them, you know, having conversations with parents in my office, every single time I have a conversation with parents in my office, I literally think of my mother, my father, I'm like, wow, like this is just like full circle stuff. <laughs> so that part is, that part's really cool. I would say the most challenging thing is um, how they do it. It's going to look very differently than how I did it. So it's my job to meet them where they are. Um, and we're in a business of people. We're in a business of human beings. And um, it's our job to figure out what makes them tick, how they tick, and why they tick the way that they do. Um, the way that I did all of the things is not going to be the way that our athletes do the things. Um, they're 18 to 22 years old. So um, just understanding that piece, like, literally the art of coaching has been like an adjustment for me, but, um, it's why I'm doing what I'm doing because it's hard. Like people probably from the outside look in and be like, Oh, I can coach. Well, you really understand what goes into coaching. It truly is an art and it's an everyday exploration of a lot of different things. So, um, but while that's hard, it's actually probably one of the most enjoyable things to me because you're constantly dealing with stuff that's somewhat new every single day. And in terms of UCF, uh, I saw this post and you're, I'm going to allow you to elaborate on it, but I want to talk about the international representation uh, for mm. the UCF Knights and how many countries are actually represented uh, at UCF, obviously, Cindy no. Balmalone uh, is an assistant coach with the U.S. Women's National Team. Uh, yourself uh, in Canada, but we've got a few others uh, that are on uh, the UCF Knights, and and mm -hmm. what that means to you to be a part of a program uh, that uh, represents so many different countries. Yeah, I mean, it, it's the coolest thing, and that's credit to Bear. Um, what I love about I love a lot of things about her as a head coach. One of the things that I love the most is that. If anybody gets a chance to play at the international level, she is the first person to be like, go. She gets it. She gets how impactful it is for them as humans. And she, you know, of course, gets how impactful it is for them um, as softball players. But I really, really appreciate and respect the fact that she is an advocate for 
go play, go experience, go do the thing. Um, like for example, we have an athlete um, who just made the Puerto Rican team and she's going to miss, she's going to miss a couple weeks. And Bear was like, go. So I love that. I love that. She's about it. And that's not for those that are, are viewing and listening. That's not normal across the board. Um, that's not always the case. Right. Uh, and Jen, you know, that uh, that's not mm -hmm. always um, allowed to go play internationally. So, uh, I think that's a pretty cool and, and unique part of the coaching staff. So let's dive a little bit into the coaching staff. I don't want to keep you too long. I know it's late, late over there on the on the East Coast, mm -hmm. but what is everyday practice like there uh, with the Knights? What what's going on? I know he said it was individuals. You're starting to get into team practice. What's what's happening right now uh, at UCF? Yeah. So we, um, to your point, we had about three or four weeks of individuals. And then we're starting our fall games on Friday. Um, so we head to Stetson. We play UNF and we play Jacksonville. So we got um, three games this coming weekend. Um, so this, this week has been a lot of team practice and scrimmaging um, against each other. But yeah, I mean, we're, um, I'm doing all of our defense now. So the defense um, better be rocking and rolling. Um, high, high level detail there. We have coach Becca who's doing, all of our offense, she's come from Cal. Um, she's, um, we are very similar in our, how we roll um, with our level of detail and how we go about our process to get the most out of the girls. Um, so then we have Bear and Shannon who are both in the bullpen. Um, so all of our niches are covered. Um, and it's just, it's just really fun to be a part of what's happening at UCF right now. I love that. And a pretty big squad at the moment, right? There's uh, got a pretty big roster that you're dealing with. Obviously, back in the day, maybe had 15, 16 on a team. And now we're dealing at these, you know, bigger squads of, of upwards in the 20s. How do you how do you manage that? And how do you deal with that? Well, thank thank goodness we have Coach Bear. No, um, well, nine of those 27 are pitchers. So um, our bullpen is quite busy, um, but she's she's got it on lock and she's, you know, managing it really, really well. Um, Coach Becca and I are out there on the field. Bear does her thing, too. When she's kind of finished the bullpen, she pops out and does her head coaching thing. So um, I think we've got a good flow um, with all of the personnel that we have um, between um, our athletes and our staff. So. And if you could use one word to describe the Knights, uh, what, mm. how would you describe this team? I know you haven't been around them very long, but on October 18th, what, what mm. word would you use to describe this 2023-2024 uh, squad? We're very experienced. And by that, I mean we have a lot of veterans. We have 12 seniors this year. Um, so... That is something that comes to mind. Um, to your point um, earlier about just the program in general, um, we take pride in being gritty and being very competitive. Um, when people watch us play, um, you do hear people say a lot that we are fun to watch because of our energy and how we play the game. Um, and quite honestly, as a defensive person, um, somebody who really enjoyed playing the game with passion and being very external, 
Um, I hope to see that from our defense and our pitchers. Now I know Bear would want to see that from our pitchers too. She calls them queens. Our hashtag is protect the, protect the clean. Um, so defense and pitching are really, really big in our program. Hitting, of course, matters too. But um, we believe defense wins championships. So, um, yeah, we're gritty and competitive. Um, we like to use the word disruptors too. Um, just disrupt the path that people are trying to go on and give it to them. I love that. Uh you are your this squad is all those things uh i think uh exuding that from the outside looking in and i love that um that's also an internal uh type of uh mentality because you are right it's always fun to watch you see it's always fun to watch the nights and um i'm so excited for you all and this next season and i can't wait for y'all to be on the field uh obviously there's fall ball this season uh but want to close with um, it's so funny. I was reading one of your bios from a really long time ago. Uh, and the answers were cracking me up on, on some of these answers. It's two people you'd like to have dinner with. Did I write this somewhere at some point? This is a, yeah, this is funny. But what would, if you had two people that you'd want to have dinner with right now, who would they be? Who? <laughs> Dang. Um... Anybody in the world you could have dinner with, two people. Michelle Obama. Okay. Um, gosh, I'm being put on the spot with this. Um, I'm trying to think. You can go back to that. I'm cracking up because your responses back in two, 2007, Nick Lachey and Channing Tatum. <laughs> Oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> Channing Tatum might still be up there, actually. Okay. All right. So let's see Michelle Obama and Channing Tatum. Okay. Um, so item oh item you take item that you take on Survivor. What item? What one item would you take on Survivor? A brush. Okay, your your answer back then was your purse because it has everything in it. <laughs> oh goodness! When I carried purses, this is so funny. I'm so glad you did this. <laughs> okay, wait. Next one. If you're stranded on an island, I'd I'd be with. If you were stranded on an island, you'd be with. Oh, I'd want to be with Kaylee Rafter. You uh, you answered your cell phone. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Crack it up. Your dream vacation. Mm. Dream vacation? Who? Santorini, Greece. You wrote Italy. That's cool. Yeah. And then your favorite softball moment. My favorite softball moment? Who I do have a few, but I'm gonna say the bronze medal win. Cool. So back in the day, it was your game-winning hit versus Italy uh, in the 2006 World Cup. Mm, in China, the world, the world qual or the Olympic qualifier. In 2006. Yeah, Olympic qualifier, Beijing. That was yeah, that was your favorite softball moment. I loved that. I saw that. I was like, I gotta ask her this. This is cute. <laughs> 
thanks for pulling that up. That was, that was fun. Memory lane, memory lane. Oh, I love it. Well, Jen Talling, thank you so, so much. Uh, I could talk to you all night uh, and probably every week. Uh, you are so easy to chat with. Um, oh, thank you for being you. Thank you for just being a part of our game, for being an ambassador. We didn't even get to Athletes Unlimited. You were a facilitator um, for sticking with it and just being an incredible role model for young athletes. Um, in so many, so many different ways. So thank you. Appreciate you. And I uh, can't wait to see you during season. Thank you. And thank you also for all that you do for the sport of softball. Um, I just really appreciate your passion. You're just a really strong advocate for women and just women playing softball. So um, good luck to you. Great Britain doing your thing. Um, and thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Anytime. We'll have you back. Uh, we're going to have to have Jen Selling back on, on the podcast. Uh, that's it for the D1 Softball Podcast. Tara Henry for Jen Selling. Thanks so much for S2 Condition. Uh, we'll see you all next week.